Hello, and welcome to Agape Fellowship, where we read and study the Word of God verse by verse. We are in Matthew chapter 5, learning about true riches and poverty from verse 3. These are profound life-altering sessions from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Let's learn more on what Jesus meant when he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's another reason for turning away from richness and wanting to remain poor. That is even a worse situation. And Nels, you alluded to it in a bit, um, and we'll talk about that. It's, the reason is, with richness comes accountability and discipleship. Oh, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to be accountable, and I don't want to be discipled, and I don't want discipleship. I want to continue my walk the way I'm walking. I'm not really interested in the richness of walking with the master. So because I have to do those things, you know what? I'm thinking ahead of you, three steps ahead of you, and saying, no, thanks. I'll stay where I'm at. Here's the main thing with that, this reason for po desiring poverty. It requires humility. First part, it requires an admission on my part that my way is not working and that I my way is completely screwed up. I don't know whether I'm going north or south. Admission to that requires humility. And in order to achieve the richness, I must be able to, as Eugene had mentioned, repent or turn away from my current ways, and which is dead end ways anyway, and turn towards the way, and I have to give up my way and follow another person's way. In other words, I have to give up control. When I pick another person's, when I pick the master's way, I'm no longer the boss. I am now a follower. I am now accountable to my follower, my leader, my master, who has given me a new way to live my life that will reach me to richness. I am, I must be willing to be discipled by my leader, my teacher, my master in that way so that I can arrive at the place of richness. I must let go and let God. Accountability and discipleship. And the greatest issue there is control. Who is in charge? See, this was the same problem that Adam and Eve had, isn't it? Control. I want to be in charge. I know my in charge, my way is, it'll never get me to richness, but no mind, I'll still stay there. I want to look at an example in that. Let's look at Mark 10. 70 to 21. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. 
You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way and sell whatever you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. Notice this young man's problem. He was rich in worldly sense. But the bigger problem was this. He had to give up what he had. And then Jesus says, come follow me. And look, he, even if he said, give up your riches, he may like Zacchaeus give away some of his riches and everything else. But the thing that put him off was the follow me part. He had great riches. So that itself was a big hindrance here. You see that. Sometimes our involvement in our life's walk and the things that we have and the things, they become a hindrance to going after the true riches. They are interested in the temporal riches, like the church in Laodicea. They were rich, but really they were poor. Here was this young man. He was rich, and yet he was poor. God called him to a walk in richness, but he desired he did not want it. Why? It was accountability, there was discipleship. In other words, he had to come and walk with the master. Well, yes, yes, go ahead. Larry. He, did, he did think his, his works by following the law were, were accept, acceptable, you know, along with being rich, you know. So he thought he could have, he thought he could basically uh, have it all in his own way, and it wasn't, you know, wasn't true. Notice how he comes to the uh, to Jesus and says, "Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" So internally, he knew that whatever it was doing wasn't arriving at that place. The same exact issue that Nicodemus had, the same exact issue that Paul had, and same every person that is desiring God, desiring. They recognize that their way is not getting them there, and so they're looking for that way. And this young man, this leader also, in, in, the, in the gospel, and look, he's a ruler. So this ruler, this young man, also recognized that there was something wrong with his approach, and so he's coming to the G Jesus and saying, hey, which, which way, what do I do to... Uh, inherit eternal life and Jesus in the end says come follow me and he says that's too much to ask no I'd rather be poor and so here we have different you know we think this is a very simple world but here we have in this past hour looked at various ways we kid to ourselves and we lie to ourselves and we notice the places that we ourselves will hide behind reasons. In some cases, we are not really wanting it. And, you know, we want to put up a show. But God is very clear about these things. 
poverty and riches. Anil? Yes. The, the rich young ruler, when he said that he kept all the commandments since his youth, that he could he possibly he couldn't possibly have kept them all because no one can keep the law perfectly. Yes, so was he true. lying? Well, in the best of his abilities, shall we say. Go ahead, Nels. I'm sorry, someone was saying something? Anel, it was me, yeah. Steve. Yeah, go ahead, Mr. Steve, go ahead. Um, I think we have to be careful here to, to recognize Jesus' point. It wasn't that the man was rich. It was that his false piety or the pattern of his relationship or what he thought was his relationship, his, his, his almost keeping the law and, and his riches got in way in the way of his pure relationship with God. It wasn't the riches themselves that were wrong, because Jesus himself says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money. It's the love of the money. And the comfort and everything else that the riches brought, coupled with his self-righteousness, if you will, kept him from the Lord, not just the righteousness themselves. Jesus is, doesn't go around telling everybody, sell every, that's, that's a, in today and recent history, that's a cult thing. Sell everything you have, give it to us, and we'll take care of you. Right. Jesus wasn't saying that. That's he was not even, interested in making him poor. That was not the point. Exactly. It's, it's the, the point was his not wanting, first of all, the recognition that his pursuit was not getting him to that eternal life. That's the first reason he comes. Exactly. The second aspect of it is that when Jesus said, come follow me. In the gospel of Luke, the same narrative is given where he says, so then someone asked him, can any, then any, will not rich person ever enter the kingdom? And Jesus said, it's impossible for man, but for God, everything is possible. So there is nothing wrong in being rich physically, financially. If God has given you that for a purpose, you know, some are made uh, that way for a particular purpose, are given those gifts so that they may serve God in that capacity. So there's nothing wrong in that. However, if our hearts are consumed by it, then this we have an issue. This guy may have thought that he had kept all the Ten Commandments. I mean, there's a good possibility he had never committed adultery. He probably never killed anybody. Maybe he never stole. It's hard to believe he never lied, but <laughs> Okay, give him that. Yep. Um, uh, so so he, he, he may have thought, hey, I, I've done all of this. And maybe, you know, later on in, well, he's not in the Sermon on the Mount, but later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Hey, you may have thought you did the uh, adultery thing, but if you look at a woman to lust after her, then you've committed it in your heart. Yeah. So uh, it's possible this guy, guy thought he, he, he kept them all. Um, so uh, God was going to move on to something else and uh, see, uh, see, see if he was really willing to follow him. And there was a pride, there was a pride factor there now. It's possible. However, um, yes, it is quite possible. Um, however, here's the thing, going back to my point here. 
there was a call to discipleship that he said, no, thank you. He went away. Sometimes, not sometimes, every time. The call to Christ, the call to richness in heaven, every time, this is not sometimes, requires for us to leave the way that we have been and take a different pathway. Every time. That's number one. Number two is that the Lord's way is different from the world's way, as we know. And that his way requires for us to leave our way and go his route. And also it means walking with him, which is a discipleship aspect, is also required. If those things are not there, we don't get there. Finally, as a closure to this topic, this particular son um, and this beatitude, how do we know? You know, sometimes this is another aspect of the Christian life. How do we know our poverty and riches? How do we know? What's the yardstick? How do we know if we've, we you know, we are the lukewarm or we are at the, you know, at the mature level or where are we at? How do we know this? By the word of God. By the word of God. See, when we compare, when I compare against you and you compare against me, you may say, I'm not so bad after all. Compared to him, I'm, I'm a godly man. Oh, my goodness. Or you may look at me and say, oh, sheesh, look at that guy. I'm so much better. I fast and pray, and I do this, and I do that, and look at him. He's just a worthless character, and I'm no good, and, you know, he's just a whatever. You know, we, we can make up all those things. I, I, I think um, that if you're going to... Um depend upon, uh, you know, look at this verse, the way you would know is, uh, says the poor in spirit, which means he'd really have to depend on God. And yes. um, so, uh, you know, whether you are following God and you're not lukewarm, uh, I think in this verse uh, would be, uh, do, I, do I put all my dependence on God? Let's take a look at Luke 5. That's the true poverty versus true riches. Uh, Luke 5, 1 to 11. Can someone take that? And can someone pick up Isaiah 6, 1 to 7? Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked them to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats back to land, they forsook all and followed him. Let's look at Isaiah also. Isaiah 6, 1-7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. You see two different, one from the old and one from the new. Simon Peter, his, when he recognized that this was God, when this was a unique person, that this was Messiah, his comparison, everything that he did before, in the presence of the Almighty, he saw that he was a sinful man. In the case of Isaiah, he sees a vision, and in the vision, he sees God high and lifted up. The train of his garment fills the, uh, fills the temple. And then what does he say immediately? Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of unclean people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In concluding this portion, I just wanted to wrap it and bring a wrapper to this thing and say, we can recognize our poverty only when we see the true richness of God. We are unable, it's impossible, believe me, it's impossible for us to gauge our true poverty in any other way other than to look at Christ Jesus himself. No person that has seen Christ Jesus has ever said I'm his equal or I'm like him, or anything like that. He said, you know, call me your brother. I'm your friend. I no longer call you slaves. You are my friend. And then what, does, what, what do each of the authors write? James, a bond slave of Christ. Jude, a bond servant of Christ. Peter, a slave. Uh, Paul, a slave of Christ we can recognize our poverty only when we look into the face of our eternal God. 
when we see our poverty, when we truly recognize our poverty and desire to change and repent, then the kingdom of God is ours. Until then, poverty by itself, we saw many examples. You can be poor. You don't want to do something. Jesus might even call you and say, come, follow me. Leave all your stuff and come follow me. And if I'm not interested, then I will be stuck in poverty. Can you believe that our hearts are so wicked? We'd rather be in poverty than richness, eternal richness. That is our sad, sad condition. But God in teaching us this blessing is saying, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The ones that recognize the true poverty in the presence of this Jehovah God, the, the, the Lord of the universe, the King. When we stand in front of the King and we say, oh, I'm, I'm undone. I'm finished. In, yeah. in the book of Daniel, it says, my beauty had turned to comeliness. In other words, I'd become just corrupt. When he saw the, uh, uh, the theophany of Jesus, in other words, pre-incarnation of Jesus, Daniel says, you know what? I'm undone. I, he says, I couldn't get out of my bed for three weeks. Why? Because he'd seen the living God. Someone was going to say something. Please go ahead. Yeah, uh, when you brought up those verses about the bond slaves, it made me think. Remember in the Old Testament, in the year of the Jubilee, when a slave had an opportunity to to be free or right. to take the, uh, the earring. Yes. And uh, Peter's like ears. Yes. That yeah. would be like us. We we have that opportunity to either go our own way yeah. or serve God. But then you have to give everything to God. Yeah, you can't say I'm going to take part of it. I, I have to. I'm giving it all to God. So that's our first blessing. Blessed yeah. are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You have the kingdom of heaven when you recognize that, and you turn and become his follower. Amen. The first beatitude seems to open a box of paradoxes, each with a deep lesson for each of us. To realize when we are poor, to seek true riches, to not be contented in poverty, how lukewarmness is similar to being poor, how we can be rich and still poor, and finally we are faced with the true riches of our ever-loving and almighty God, and all else falls away when we just realize how awesome our God is. Do join us in the next episode as we continue with the verse 4.